evening, ladies and gentlemen of the internet. Welcome to Love the Graps. Just Chris here, quickly checking in, and I will be handing you over to our man on the street, Mr. Joe Atherton, and his uh, show, Tables, Athers and Chairs. Um, he has a guest with him, uh, an interview conducted in a disabled toilet in Wolverhampton. He is none other than the pansexual man known as Jack Sexsmith, professional wrestler. So without further ado, 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 not ado, that's something else. Um, ado, over to Joe. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tables, Others and Chairs. Today we've got a very good guest with us. It is the sexually frivolous, morally ambiguous, pansexual phenomenon, Jack Sexsmith. Jack, how's it going? We're very, very well, Joe. Thank you for having us, kind sir. Yep, we're, uh, no word of a lie, we're conducting this interview (laughs) in a disabled toilet, because they're currently running music checks on night one on DTTI at Fight Club Pro. So yeah, uh, me and Jack in the uh, disabled toilets together, but read into that what you will. We may do. This is familiar turf for me. I've found myself in this situation many a time. I will not elaborate on that. <laughs> I, I could probably guess. Anyway, <laughs> moving swiftly on, wrestling. Yes, yeah, so I suppose so. Yeah. Uh, what first uh, attracted you to wrestling as a kid? Um, I think it was the, the theatrics and the circus of it all was like, I just... It was a it was a soap opera I could really get involved in, um, and I don't I don't know I don't know what the specifics of what drew me in. I just remember watching I think it was Road Dog on a King of the Ring show when I was a kid, and just went like, he's fighting, but he this looks so much cooler than any fight scene I've ever seen before. And then just from there, just threw myself into it, just going, this is awesome. Every weekend I'd watch it around my dad's, and was just on. So you grew up <clears throat> watching the Attitude Era, WWE? I saw it was snippets as, as a very young child from there, but when I got like super, super like this must be seen all the time was Cena in 2004 because I was such a little rap kid back then. Uh, I'm a rap guy now, but I, back then I was so into it and um, Cena would come out and just slay with, slay with rhyme before his match and then would bang people about during the match and it was a different Cena back then as well he's a little bit more devious a little bit more cowardly in places but smarter maybe um, before he became the flag waving Mr America type gimmick that he transcended into um, yeah and I, that was just so me Kane as well when I was very very young because I was like oh but his backstory is so sympathetic like he could do all the most evilest of things but oh I pity him like he had so many levels to him and I was just hooked on that so what, after watching these larger-than-life characters made you think, yeah, that's, that's something I'd like to try? Um, so I was, at, I was at uni, and that was a real transitional period of my life where um, I'd sort of turned my back on... I used to teach Christianity in schools, and I'd sort of turned away from that, going, because I'm not happy with that community that I'm supposed to be a part of. Um, I separated from someone I was a girl I was seeing for a very long time. I hadn't embraced my sexuality yet, and I had this epiphany moment of like, your second year at uni, you're halfway through your time here. Um, this is this journey is supposed to be about finding yourself as well as getting a degree and what have you. Um, so just embrace this, be true to yourself, and be active where you are passionate. So I started seeing guys. 
Um, I started exploring more and more about who I am as a person. I tried to be as unashamed of that as I could be. And um, I started wrestling. I found a wrestling school and went, yep, this is an unjustifiable hobby of yours. Let's uh, let's throw you all at it. Um, was that wrestling school a pro job? That was not. So I started studying with Justin Richards um, in like 2011, maybe. Okay. Um, and I did that for a year or so. Uh, had a couple of matches there under the alias of Ryan O'Reilly. I think I might have seen some of that online. Yeah, yeah. It was like a full-on Irish gimmick. Yeah, it was, accent and all. Um, happy to be away from that now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I had quite a bad knee injury and I thought I was done with wrestling after that. I couldn't, couldn't move. I had my left knee replaced, um, ACL graft and all that came to done. Um, and I thought I was done with wrestling. And then... Uh, a friend of ours who used to train under Justin Richards with me called, you know him as Sebastian, uh, I saw he had a match that popped up on his Facebook feed. It was him at Endeavour 8, I think, against Zack Sabre Jr. And I went, have a fucking word. That's outrageous. You were never that good. <laughs> um, what have you been doing to get yourself back here? Uh, so, yeah, we saw that absolutely amazed and then um, in the January of 2015 I started training again and that was at the Projo and that was at the Projo yeah so I had a little baseline before with someone like Justin Richards former FWA champion absolutely brilliant coach absolutely fantastic coach Um, but was was all about particularly where I was developmentally was all about establishing a foundation of work and then we went to the Projo and they built on that and it became about uh adding something relatable to yourself and that was really and you were learning from guys active on the scene like uh, Eddie Dennis or Jimmy Havoc or Daryl Allen as well so they could tell you about how times had evolved and how to apply that practically to today's audience which was very different to the audience back in 2011 so you mentioned Sebastian I did who else was at the Projo with you uh, during the years Um, so it would have been Seb it would have been Tom Irvin uh, Chuck Mambo was there uh, Pastor William Eva Damon Moser Kyle Ashmore um, I think they were there the first time I sort of started getting into it Earl Black Jr Ginny uh, Laura DiMatteo they're almost like the first generation guys and then I sort of come along and then it was like me and then a few months after me it might have been TK and uh, Dahlia um, yeah I think that's right generationally that's quite an impressive list of names yeah, they've. Um, I think it speaks volumes about that school, how it was. It's now called Knuckle Locks. Knuckle Locks, yeah. yeah. And um, they're still producing great talent. You see someone like uh, Spike Gervais started there. He would have been third-generation Projo, really, rather than first-generation Knuckle Locks. But OJMO, uh, Mills and Mayhew come through there as well. Um, st- it's still a great school. Uh, I've since moved on and now living in Wolverhampton and studying at Fight Club Pro under Travis Banks um, with Martin Zaki uh, and that's just that's nothing that's no knock on knuckle locks that's just me going uh, I want to add different strings to different bows I want to train everywhere I want to learn from everyone that was something I was going to bring up later might as well touch on it now um, moving to Wolverhampton what was behind that uh, a drive and determination to be better as, again I, I can't stress enough that it was nothing to do with the training at Knuckle Locks, because Knuckle Locks is genuinely very, very good school. Um, it was just I wanted to throw myself into the industry and also 
with turning professional now, trying to do this full time. Uh, being positioned in a place like Wolverhampton suddenly makes costing a little easier on me, so I can get to a show in Liverpool for the same price I could get to a show in London, whereas if I was London-based, getting to that show in Liverpool is suddenly not as plausible. Yeah, purely, purely financial. Yeah, there was a, that was a side of it, but also this Fight Club training school has produced some of the top guys in the scene uh, anywhere today, and to, wanted to involve myself in that, and see how good I could really be. Um, talk about your debut. Can you remember your debut match? Do it. For progress. For pro, do you mean yeah, the after, chapter show? Yeah, chapter show after training at the Projo. Right, so my, my first show for progress was Endeavour 11. Your debut is Jack Sexsmith, shall That was say. my debut as Jack Sexsmith. My first one, Endeavour 11, uh, in a fatal four-way with Damon Moser, Earl Black Jr. and Mark Hendry. Uh, that was interesting. Were you worried about the reception that you were going to get? I was there in yellow Calvin Klein's, mate. I, 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 was, I was more concerned than I could really put into words right now. But, um, yeah, pulled back the curtain a bit. Briley had said to us, what do you want to do? And I said, oh, the first thing I said was, uh, what's, he said, what's your name? What's your act? We're thinking of using you. I said, Sam Sparks, happy-go-lucky Sparks fly. And he said, that's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. And I went, okie dokie. And he said, have you got anything else? Because we could go another way with this. And I was like, uh, Jack Sex Smith. And he said, go on. And then come to me like that, sexually frivolous, morally ambiguous. Just, yeah, and not just an absolute epiphany moment again. And he went, that's cool. Yeah, okay. And because there were so many, there was a defined baby face in Mark Hendry in that match, and there were defined heels in Moser and EBJ. It gave me a degree of security to be a, a tweener and let the crowd react to me how I saw fit. Uh, and I knew that I probably, in my heart of hearts, wanted to be received as a babyface. And uh, that's what we got come the end of it. And, yeah, not really looked back since. Can I remember <clears throat> the first time I saw you, it was, I think, it was either chapter 26 or 28. It was definitely a Manchester chapter. Right. Uh, I believe you came out with a gimp. Sounds like me, yeah. Um, you were spraying whipped cream in the audience crotches and eating it off. Yeah, no, that sounds, again, like me. Uh, <laughs> I think a big thing, I reflect on this now, and it's sometimes I look at it and I go, do you know what? That's, that's not as acceptable in many ways. That's not acceptable. That's not, like, not just, like for shenanigans and antics and that was it basically a way of just getting noticed it was in in that regard yeah to a certain degree like I remember my first chapter match was chapter 23 and a lot of the antics and stuff going on at the time was make sure they remember you just make sure they remember you and um, but another big thing was being out being pansexual utilising that as a part of my character and going okay we're gonna flag wave to a degree here um, at that inaugural stage, it was more about being digestible to a crowd that you don't know how they may take you. So I was a parody of what an LGBT person was, was and is. Were you worried about that initial reaction on that debuting chapter, <clears throat> chapter 23? Yes, but I, I genuinely had faith in what I could do could be funny and therefore I'd be received well. And it was all about being remembered, being noticed, but also 
if I'm funny and then I'm liked, then they are cheering on a gay, which is a big thing. Now, I would not be doing any of that stuff. That stuff is unacceptable to me now because I have been digestible and people do know who I am now. And actually I'm on this journey of an, as an LGBT social justice warrior type to just be recognized for me, who I am as a person, waving that flag and trying to represent as a genuine person now. Would we say that the day that Mr. Coco died <laughs> was the day that, that that full transition to from parody to the real you happened? I wouldn't necessarily say that. I'd say that transition began uh, a long time before that, um, when I got given my my first feud with the South Pacific power trip. That was... Uh, that was the first chance I had my, to sink my teeth into a story and to show real depth and to be angry for the first time as opposed to just be happy-go-lucky, then you're in a fight, something bad happens and you have to show a bit more aggression. This was actually... TK Cooper's been punching girls in the face for a while now to try and get wins for his lady friend. Uh, I take issue with that. Let us have this back and forth. And then that became a bit of a thing. Um, and I was able to show those nuances over time, but eventually we got to the point where against Joe Coffey, uh, that was like the last antic to go, you know? There will be shenanigans, there will be sexsmith being sexsmith when the time's right to be light-hearted, but particularly in a company like Progress where the crowd has been exposed to me for however long now and has seen me develop, they don't want that anymore, which is actually really, really nice. Really, really nice to go, actually, Jack, we've got faith in you as a wrestler. And my mantra, my absolute mantra is I'll be billed as a pansexual wrestler today so that one day I can be billed as a wrestler who happens to be pansexual. You mentioned pansexual. Obviously, that's not a gimmick, that's who you are. For those of us that aren't as well educated, what is pansexual? If you had to, like, give it an actual, literal meaning. Um, I always always struggle with labels. Because ultimately, I like what I like. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and it's, it's tricky, but it's tricky to box that because I don't feel like you should. But by all accounts, identification is a massive thing. So to feel a part of something is, is a big deal as well. Uh, for me, pansexuality uh, recognises that there are more than two genders. There's not just boy and girl. There are people who identify as this, that and the other. And I will be attracted to that person regardless of how they choose to identify and that is how I define pansexuality or my sexuality, should I say. It's pretty straightforward, really. I think maybe that made some sense. That made some sense, right? Possibly, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> um, let's talk about branching out. Um, cool. Obviously, progress is somewhere that you play your trade. Mm-hmm. Got a world title shot coming up in Manchester soon. I do. Very uh, nervous. But like you say, we're here today at Fight Club Pro. Mm-hmm. That's another place that you've started to branch out into. Um, Attack Pro Wrestling yeah. made your debut for them was it this year or at the end of last year um, I think it would have was been was it the Mistletoe Tour no it would have been before that before I've been on, them bef- been on there before that had um, one or two sort of showings and now I'm at a position now within Attack where I'm semi-regular regular um, you were uh, at Lucha Forever R.I.B yes and uh, you're currently IPW Tag Team Champion I am yeah so um since making that sort of statement to myself in October and having the, the tryout with the WWE in November, it's been a big thing for me to just go, right, you want, you want this now, so where can you be and how can you be there? 
and um, haven't found that. Uh, it's been hard. It's been problematic in places, but um, being on a show like Progress means that you have a degree of stock anyways. Um, it also means that footage is available readily for you to show and to prove yourself to other promoters. Go, here is a sample of me in a match with Pete Dunne, which carries a degree of weight anyways. Um, so it has, it's, been, it's been tricky, but it has been part of a challenge that I've actually really, really enjoyed. Just go, okay, man, if you, if you think I could feature for you, here's something, here's something. Do you, tell me if you like that. And I feel my work now is, is better than it's ever been as well. So I'm um, quietly happy. I'm very, very... I, I'm not someone who really looks back or looks at what he's achieved and goes, oh, well done, me. Aren't I great? Um, I'm always looking forward, man. I just go, right, that's the next thing. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? Where else can I be? So whilst I'm so happy with what I've, where I work at present, I'm still thinking about the places I haven't yet. Are there any companies in mind that you'd like to work for that you haven't yet? Do you want an inside scoop? Go on. Right. When would this be released? Uh, this will be released hopefully within the next week. Okay. So early um, April. So okay, this would have this would have already come out, but okay. I'll tell you the insider anyways. Uh, Sunday I make my Rev Pro debut. Oh, very good. Yeah, that should be absolutely fantastic. Um, tagging alongside a dear friend of mine in Chuck Mambo. Excellent stuff. Yeah, so um, that's another one off the list. Um, OTT would be great, but um, I've done bits and pieces with WXW, but I'd like to go over there more and more. Um, and then now that we've sorted out a visa, as I'm heading to New Orleans, it would be grand to see if anything can happen stateside as well. That should be fun for you next week. Yeah. Um, Yes, I'm anxious, I'm, uh, I'm wary, I'm not a very well-travelled person at all, so sorting my life out with this one is going to be very interesting. Yeah, but, you've, you've got to be careful, there's no, uh, no Canadian destroyers or a Oh man, have you seen that list? It's, it's oh, quite funny. It's so funny. You have, were... have you seen Will Ospreay's latest show? Yes, I have. <laughs> oh, he's, he's a genius when he wants to be, man. He's so good, so good. It's it's great that all them all the moves are banned, but it doesn't me- mention anything about eye pokes, nothing like that, or kicks in the dick. The one, the one that does me is the um, over the top rope thing. Well, you this this, this is where Glenn, Glenn Joseph comes in. Yeah, the reverse battle royal. There you go. At long last, at long last, the dream materializes. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we finish, want to talk about uh, the new clothing range that you've launched. Hmm. Uh, Proud. Do you want to uh, give us some details on that? Um, so. Essentially, it came about because I didn't want... I like Sexsmith's clothing line to be colourful, to be flamboyant, to be loud and almost have a degree of ugliness or animation or cartoony vibe to it. Um, That doesn't lend itself to every wrestling fan. The majority of wrestling fans are happy to be seen wearing a black top or a white top. Um, Case in point, I see what you're wearing right now, Joe. Uh, Yeah, but... With Proud, I thought, actually, I want to make something that is is less an animated sex mix top and is actually something quite fashionable. And and with that, what good I could do um, for the LGBT as well. So Proud is is quite simplistic design. It's it's, it's based in fashion. But the, the concept behind it is just if you're seen wearing a piece of Proud clothing what you are promoting is inclusivity in sport as a whole but that's the end goal sport as a whole I'd love to see one day um, you know how they come out of the football in their jackets I'd love to see one day them out there in their proud jackets with like the rainbow laces mantra um, 
just breeding inclusivity for LGBT people in, in sport as a whole. For now, because I'm rooted in wrestling, we'll start with wrestling. Um, and to be able to give 25% of my profits to Stonewall, that may, that may evolve. There may be other charities over time that I feel represent my people and could do good for the LGBTQ as well. Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a grand venture, I must say. I'm, and I'm so happy and overwhelmed with the support and um, acknowledgement that the cause has had. And it's, it's just every time I do something that seems a bit flag-wavy and I get a little bit anxious about how it will be received from a personal level but also from a universal or, or, or is the LGBT still accepted here or does it belong here in that way I know it does but I, you know you've, you've met with barriers um, the perception is universally positive universally accepting and it's just always heartwarming always well we'll definitely put um, a link to that in the podcast so hopefully get a bit more money towards Stonewall and yourself obviously yeah now man's got to eat man's got to eat exactly (laughs) Um, right we're going to finish it off with a quick um, word association game Jesus Christ I'll throw some names at you you just say the first (coughs) names that come into your head cool David Starr Bay Rob Sharp Ducky Chuck Mambo oh wow Um, dude Mark Haskins Intense Jimmy Havoc Dickhead <laughs> Chris Brooks um, Teacher Fight Club Pro Cutting Edge High Mid Attack uh, Wild Riptide Future IPW Home, I guess. Progress. Family. Travis Banks. Sorry, said teacher. Uh, inspiration. Final one. Jack Sexsmith. Potential. Speaking of which, where do you see yourself in five years' time? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I would just. Just being better, just making this my craft. Um, that's my dream: is to keep this. I, I had an ambition when I turned, when I tried to do this full time, that I'd give it a year, and let's see how we get on. Um, plus four on top of that, I, I honestly cannot say. Um, I just want to be everywhere, and I want to do good on the biggest platforms. I'm, I'm my ability warrants, so I will be everywhere and anywhere I can, mate. Can't say fairer than that. Well, from the uh, <laughs> Starworks Disabled Toilets. Here, here. <laughs> that was Jack Sexsmith. Jack, thanks very much for having us. Thank you. Bless you, brother.